Well, it was back in February of this year that my wife and I, along with uh, two other couples here from FCC, traveled to West Africa to visit uh, some of our mission partners. Uh, We went there because uh, we wanted to encourage them primarily because of their incredible work of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in in a world that, um, quite frankly, is more than 98% Muslim. And in our experience, we went, uh, of course, to a culture and a land that was uh, completely different uh, than what we were accustomed to. We were certainly out of our element. One of the days, uh, the purpose uh, of really the whole day was that we would uh, break into these small groups, uh, each couple, along with uh, an individual who was from the area. Maybe it was one of our missionaries. Maybe it was one of their local uh, leaders. We got into this cab and squeezed into the back of it, and and the idea was that we were going to drive around the capital city that we were in, and we would uh, stop at some prominent locations, we would see what life was going on, and we were to take some time and to specifically pray over and for the people that were in those areas, asking for God uh, to work. There was this one occasion where um, we, we went to a couple of different locations, but, but one, there was this market, and if you've ever been in a, in a country that uh, is completely different than, than the United States, it's an open-air market, it's, uh, everything is jammed together. We were in this market that was just huge. It covered uh, basically about two city blocks. It was covered um, by a couple of buildings, but then also just a bunch of makeshift shanties. They were all squeezed in there, and, and basically you walked into the market, and you never really knew where it started anyway because there was a lot of activity on the outer parts of it. But as uh, Jen and I and, and uh, our, our guide uh, walked us into the market, I mean, world changed immediately. It, it was, there was an, an unbelievable amount of people squeezed into this area. And the farther we went into the market, uh, I quickly lost my bearings as to where we were. I was just simply following a booba car, holding on to my wife and saying, don't let go of me. <laughs> I was counting on her to take care of me. But as we kind of walked through this, I mean, there was all of these little shops that you could buy fabric, you could um, buy housewares, you could buy spices, you could buy perfume, you could buy soap, you could buy pots and pans. I mean, it was, you could buy fresh meat. That's a relative term. I mean, it was fresh. It came with flies and everything. I mean, it was one of those places where literally you could get anything from soup to nuts. And there was no chance I was eating the soup that you could find in this place. But, but here's what I noticed as we're walking in and we got farther and farther into the recesses of this market. It, there was a, it was a life that uh, I had never experienced before. And it was a life that I was like completely out of my element. And if it was not for a Bubakar, there's a good chance we'd still be in there trying to circle and fight, figure out how to get out of there. Have you ever been in a situation where you had no idea uh, how to behave or how to, to manage a specific situation or a location? Maybe you've been intimidated by your surroundings. 
Maybe it was the first time you walked onto a car lot. And I remember being a young adult, college, with my dad. You know, my dad knew I, I could not walk onto a car lot alone. Some of you need to have listened to that advice. Uh, but you were in a specific situation. You weren't exactly sure. How do you behave? How, how, do you, how do you manage life in this situation? Maybe, remember, think back to the first day on a new job or first day in, in, a, in a school or a situation where you were completely out of your element and you were counting on someone else to give you a, the guidance, to show you the ropes, if you will. Well, we're in this series that we're launching today. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the Holy Spirit being a guide. Because the reality is is that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we are in a world that is not our home. And we don't really know how. Uh, to navigate the struggles. I mean, we just concluded a series all about spiritual battles that are going on all around us that we're stuck right in the middle of. And so uh, we want to look at the Holy Spirit over the course of these next three weeks. And, and the idea is, you know, what are we to make of the Holy Spirit? For some of us, I mean, this is like total, like, uh, I don't know, church language. Not exactly sure what the Holy Spirit is. What is the role or the purpose of the Holy Spirit? We're going to look at that. And then really, really what I want us to understand is uh, that we have, it's important that we have a correct understanding of what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, what's available to us, so that we uh, can truly experience uh, a life that God wants us to experience. Now, you don't have to answer out loud. But have you ever had one of those times in your life where you felt as if God was silent? Or at least he's not very active. Maybe you're uh, in a situation where you're trying to figure out, is God real? How, how, do we, how do we notice or recognize God? Or maybe you're a believer, someone who's been walking with Jesus. You've been attending church for a long time, and you kind of just feel as if, if truth be told, that, that your relationship, if you could use such a word, if your relationship with God is kind of just flat. I mean, you go to church pretty regularly. Uh, you'll read your Bible. You'll even pray and maybe even listen to some worship music, but there, there's just this sense that your relationship with God, your interaction with God is just kind of flat. Maybe you're kind of feeling as if like you're, you're in a valley. You're not exactly sure how to get out of the valley. Or you, you know that Jesus said that he came so that you can have Life to the full. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I want to believe that, but I feel as if like I'm on the sidelines watching everyone else live their life. I just don't know how to move out of that. Well, if any of that describes you at one time or another, it's important for you to recognize the truth about the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer is that this series will 
impact your spiritual relationship, your relationship with God in such a way that it is, dare I say, transformative. That it will change you drastically as we lean in to this important element of the Holy Spirit. Because Billy Graham once said these words. He said, everywhere I go in the world, and he would travel throughout the world, Everywhere I go in the world, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not at all what they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. There is a desperate need for those who profess Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's describing you. I know that there are times in my life where I fit that bill. And so depending on your experience with church, if any at all, or maybe based on your faith tradition that you grew up in, the Holy Spirit could be a source of confusion for you. And that's because of its inclusion in what we call the Trinity. God exists in three persons. But he's still one God. Now, I get that that's weird. And and we can't completely wrap our head around that. But honestly, I'm okay with that. Because if I could completely understand God, I would be limiting God. And I don't want a God who can be limited. My prayer is that you don't want a God that can be limited as well. And so we lean in to faith and trust. But this Trinity idea, it's just I mean, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and there's two words or two elements of the Trinity that we really don't have all that hard time understanding. When we use the word Father, we understand what a Father is or a Father figure. Whether good or bad, you know pretty much deep down what a Father is. And even a son. You understand what a son is. Many of us in the room are sons. And so the Holy Spirit, what, how do you explain what the Holy Spirit is? Well, I figured instead of me trying to explain, uh, let's hear instead what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. So grab your Bible and let's open up and get into the Word this morning. Uh, At John chapter 14, Uh, it's important for you to have access to God's word. I pray that you're carrying around, whether it's in your back pocket on your phone or or a a hard copy such as this, but that you always have access to God's word. You could be following along on the app and open it up to the notes section of today's message. We've already opened God's word for you to John chapter 14. A little bit of context here before we jump into some content. Jesus is about to fulfill his mission, meaning that he's about to die on the cross. He has spent the past three years with a ragtag group of guys that you and I affectionately call the apostles. These disciples who have been hanging out with Jesus, and they've been rubbing shoulders with him. They've been uh, spending time uh, listening to him. They've been hearing him teach. They've been seeing him uh, in, performed some incredible miracles. Uh, They heard him talk about his father uh, as well as life in his kingdom. 
And so they're, they're trying to just become a little bit more understanding of who Jesus is and what it is that he came about to, to accomplish. But up to this point, Jesus has been their closest friend, their wisest teacher, and even their greatest leader. Lots of conversations around a fire late at night. Lots of meals with him, hearing him talk and speak, and they just have been spending life with him. And they would notice that when there was times of conflict, it was Jesus who always did all the talking. In those moments where there was this uncertainty of where they should go or how they should act or what their next step is, they basically just let Jesus lead the way. And as long as Jesus was with them, these disciples had tons of confidence. But that's about to change. The disciples don't know it, but Jesus knows. He's going to be leaving them. He's going to lead them soon. So beginning in verse 15, Jesus tells them these words. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. One thing is obvious. Without Jesus, these guys are going to be lost. And that goes for you and me as well. Jesus knows that uh, they're going to be lost without him. And so he's going to make sure that they're not lost. And he's going to intervene in a way. Again, they don't understand completely what he's talking about. But he speaks about this advocate. Now, the Greek word for advocate is parakletos. And and this is a word that we kind of has multiple meanings depending on on your version even of the scriptures, you'll see some of these different words show up. What does it mean for an advocate? Well, we find these really kind of like pinpoints that that show up, and it's a a comforter or a helper, uh, perhaps a counselor or a guide, and then lastly, an intercessor. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time over the course of these three weeks, and we're going to look at each of these. And see what it is that Jesus is giving his disciples and you and I in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's many differences in each one of these roles. And uh, we're going to see throughout all of Scripture how they come to play and and how they interact with you, uh, with uh, our relationship with God. But before we go any further, I think it's important that we understand a basic truth about the Holy Spirit. And we see it after Jesus names the advocate as the spirit of truth. He goes on to say these words. He says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Important for us to recognize that only believers recognize the Holy Spirit. And can I just give a word of encouragement uh, to the body of Christ, that as we look at the world around us, and and we kind of scratch our heads and wonder, how is it possible that an unbelieving world can behave and act and think and, and, and just believe in such a way that is contrary to Scripture? 
Jesus tells us because they do not recognize the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit's presence. Without being a believer or a follower of Jesus, we do not recognize what sin really is. And so uh, it should change our prayer life for sure. But also what I want us to see is that, that Jesus uses some personal pronouns when he describes the Holy Spirit. He simply says numerous times, him. He references the Holy Spirit as him or he. What I want us to see is that the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. And, and I want us to understand why this is so important. And please do not mistake the Holy Spirit as some kind of force. Something that acts upon us and that we're unable to relate with. Instead, we receive the Holy Spirit uh, in such a manner that, they're, that we're invited to something more than just a power. Uh, do not overlook the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, we still don't fully understand because we're, we're looking for some kind of like, we want to be able to touch it, identify it. We want to be able to, to see it in some way. We can see a father, at least in this visible sense, a, a son. We understand what that means. But the Holy Spirit just feels a lot like some kind of just ethereal being. That's not totally true. In, in verse 23, when you jump down just a little bit, Jesus tells his disciples, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. You see, the Holy Spirit here is, has this identity that's going to be with God the Father, God the Son, and now the Holy Spirit together. All going to dwell together in existence. The Holy Spirit it turns out, is God's presence made personal. You and I recognize, at least Scripture teaches us, that God the Father is in heaven, that God the Son, Jesus Christ, returned to heaven and is actually seated at the right hand of his Father. So all of us who say that we have Jesus in our heart, what we truly mean is that we have the presence of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And that should change a little bit about our thinking. You see, Jesus is going to return. That means that Jesus is not here currently. But his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is here. You are welcome here, we just sang. That the whole presence of God, it becomes very personal and dwells within each of us. And so... What assistance does God provide through his role of the Holy Spirit being a comforter? We're going to lean in to what it means to be a comforter. Because uh, whenever perhaps you hear the word comforter, or I think about the word comforter, our mind immediately goes to times of grieving or mourning. And someone came and consoled you. They comforted you in your time of loss. Now Jesus certainly says in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He starts 
talking about blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But there's more to this sense of dying or experiencing uh, this loss in order to understand what a comfort is. Maybe in your mind you're thinking about uh, a sick child. And, and you're picturing a sick child and, and you, you see them and when you provide comfort for them, what you're thinking about is wrapping them up in a blanket, you're holding on to them and you're snuggling them. And certainly there is some comfort there. But many times, when we think about this word comfort, especially in relation to our, our kind of like interaction with God, is that many times we mistake Jesus' offer to carry our burdens as a promise that he will make our life easy. And we have interpreted comfort as everything is going to be easy. All obstacles are going to be removed. All challenges are going to exist no more. And so if that doesn't happen, then we feel as if we're not receiving comfort. But this comfort is more like assurance. And I want you to think of assurance when you think about the Holy Spirit. It's the assurance that comes when we know that we're not alone. It's the assurance that a Abubakar is not going to leave me in that market and I can confidently walk through, and I know that, I'm, that he's taken us out of here. It's the assurance that, you know what, I'm going to be all right while I'm in here. Even though I don't know exactly what's happening, he knows where to go. He knows what to say, and he knows the way out. So I'm just going to stay with my guide. That's the role of the Holy Spirit when we think about comfort. I saw an incredible example of this this week. Uh, there's a woman in our church, uh, some of you know Linda, who's been recently diagnosed with uh, cancer throughout her stomach. The doctors told her this past week, there's, I'm sorry, but there's nothing that we can do uh, about this situation. Currently, she's receiving no nutrition because any time any kind of food or feeding tube or anything that was given to her, it just it exacerbated the entire situation. And it was inflaming all of the struggles within her body. And so when I was with her the other day, a clear liquid diet, zero calories. And yet in this understanding that her life is is on basically uh, a fast-moving, clicking timer. She lays there and she speaks about the blessings that God has poured out to her. She speaks about uh, her faith uh, in the one who has saved her. Uh, she speaks with incredible assurance about what it means to trust that uh, her body's going to be made whole, but more importantly, she's going to be united. She told me, she goes, I cannot wait to see Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, there are times in my life when I thought about, I can wait to see Jesus because I want to experience a little bit more of, like, you know, my grandkids. 
Uh, I want to spend a little bit more time with my wife. But there's this assurance that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit that says, no matter what is going on in this life, no matter whatever it is that I might end up losing, my faith is in one who has already brought about the victory, and I cannot wait to be with him. That is the assurance that I long for. And that is the assurance that Linda's trusting in. In the book of Acts, this is a a description about the early church after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, We we read about the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. We can read it in Acts chapter 2. He shows up. Jesus spoke in Acts chapter 1 that we would receive this power and we would be his witnesses throughout the world. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and, and it moved in, in such incredible ways. And we read in Acts chapter 4 where the, uh, basically what we see is that um, Peter and John are just boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, they're standing in front of people telling about who Jesus is and what it is that he has accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection so that they might have life. They boldly speak the name of Jesus in a world that would rather they didn't. And we see in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4, a powerful verse. The church, those who were with Peter and John, after they were uh, being arrested and questioned uh, for boldly preaching, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. Can you imagine, just for a moment, what the assurance of the Holy Spirit in your life might mean for you? How it might make you more bold? Back in January, uh, we began just leaning into this idea that we want to be a light, a light in a world of darkness. And we encouraged all of us to identify at least five people that we love and that we care about who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That Jesus would would be shown through us. That we would speak the name of Jesus. That some way that those people who were closest to us would hear about Jesus Christ, would receive this gift of eternal life. That they would claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior just like many of us have. And so we've been praying uh, for these people. Uh, But I bet you that some of us at different times are struggling with fear when it comes to sharing Jesus' name with some of these people. We're worried about how they might respond. We wish that they knew Jesus like we did, but, but we we've just feel as if, like, I'm not exactly sure for some reason or another. I know I should talk to them about it. I know that I should invite them to church. I know that I should engage in some spiritual conversations. But for one reason or another, we just haven't. This is the assurance that the Holy Spirit can provide if you will just access the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's time that all of us access the power that has already been dwelt within us if we have united ourselves with Jesus Christ. This is what we've been doing uh, at our prayer gatherings past several months. 
And so I want to encourage you. We already spoke this morning, but be here this Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock as we pray for the spiritual condition of those that we love. That, that God would, would move in ways to create opportunities to have these faith conversations. That we would see collectively as the body, that we would boldly speak the name of Jesus Christ even when we feel as if we don't know what to say. You see, the Holy Spirit is our God that when we our guide, that when we walk into a situation where we don't know where the next turn is, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know how to even get out of the situation, when our guide is with us, he is the one who moves and gives us the words and gives us the power to be confident in his presence. So I want to encourage you, be here this Wednesday evening with us. Now you won't have to pray out loud, but we can pray together. And we can seek God's will for those that we love and for those in our community. It was great Charles Spurgeon, preacher and writer, who wrote these words. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're like ships without wind or chariots without steeds. Like branches without sap, we are withered. Like coals without fire, we are useless. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power, gives us the words, it gives us the strength, it gives us the assurance that God is with us. And so if the Holy Spirit is a person, it's a who, how do we access him? It's the same way that we access any other person. It's through a relationship. And my my prayer is is that you will choose a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some of you, your very next step is to choose Jesus, to choose him for the very first time. What what exactly does that look like? And that where you recognize, man, I've got sin in my life. You confess your sin. You express your faith in Jesus that says, man, I, I need to live according and follow him. You see, he is the son of God who died in your place. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, it was the day of Pentecost. There was this great crowd in Jerusalem. Some of you have heard these words, but, but Jesus was preaching the gospel message, and the people were convicted, not by what Peter said, but by the power of the Holy Spirit reaching in with the truth into these people's lives. And they said, man, what should we do because of our guilt and Jesus being on the cross and dying. Peter replied, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He simply said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The idea of repenting is to turn away from our sin. To be baptized is to be, to be washed anew. Uh, to, to recognize that, that we are immersed in a body of water There's nothing magic about the water, but it's recognizing that we unite ourselves because of Scripture, commands to be baptized, that we come up new and we receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you've chosen Jesus, maybe years ago, but you've never been baptized. We don't see any examples in Scripture where anyone expresses faith in Jesus and does not 
also get baptized. So I want to encourage you that scripturally, uh, to align ourselves with what the truth of Scripture says, is that if you've claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, respond to him in baptism. Your next step is to be baptized and to recognize that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at that point. You see, some of you, you've been trying to do the right things, but you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. Or you're trying to do the right things, but you're not accessing the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time that we boldly stand on the Word of God that says, if we believe and have chosen Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and if we've united with Him in baptism, we have received the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. May we be a bold people who says, not by my might, but by the power of the Lord, power of the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is the person of God indwelling the follower of Jesus with the power of God. May we trust in him and him alone. And until Jesus returns, we can count on the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, to provide the words, to help us to understand, and to be able to stand against the enemy's schemes and to share the love with the world around us who needs to experience Jesus just like we have. Pray with me. Lord God, we are so grateful. Grateful for your love and your mercy, for your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have redeemed us. You have made us whole. Lord, grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have dwelling within us as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ. That it is his power that continues to manifest itself in a way that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. May we boldly proclaim that Jesus is our Savior, that he is the Savior of the world. May we stand on the truth of Scripture. And may we not back down and understand that you are with us always, never to leave us, never to forsake us. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May we trust in his power and not our own. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray all these things. Amen. Let's stand together and let's just celebrate in a time of worship as we recognize the power that's available to every one of us.